All right. Thank you for listening. We're going to continue with chapter seven, the life of Milarepa. And uh, I found this uh, Tibetan Tibetan evening chant, and I'm going to put it on. Let's see if how it sounds. And this Tibetan evening chant is on the YouTube channel Jose Luis Aristizabal. I'll put it in the comments or in the, you know, the the commentary about what the episode is about. Okay, chapter 7, The Life of Milarepa. Again, Rechungpa asked, Did the Jetsons set forth into mountain retreat right after receiving the oral instructions? Or did he remain with the Lama? Milarepa continued, the Lama directed me to exert myself in practice, providing me with ample supplies. He then set me to meditate at Taknia Cliff in Lodrak. During that period, I filled an offering lamp with melted butter and lit it. Then I placed it on my head and meditated day and night without moving my body until the lamp was extinguished. Eleven months passed. Then the Lama and his wife came, bringing lavish supplies for a ritual feast. The Lama said, Son, for you to meditate for eleven months without your cushion growing cold is most excellent. Now tear down the cell door and come beside your old father to rest your weary body and discuss the experiences you have had. 
This is the real sustenance for my weary body, I thought. But since it is my Lama's command, I must go. As I began tearing down the door, the cell suddenly felt quite dear to me, and I stood there reluctant to continue. Just then the Lama's wife came up and asked, Son, are you coming? I cannot bring myself to tear down the cell door, I replied. There is nothing wrong, she said. In general, secret mantra emphasizes the importance of profound auspicious connections. More importantly, the Lama has a fiery temper, so it will not do to mishandle this auspicious moment. Your mother will tear down the cell door, so come quickly. She tore it down, thinking that she was right. I came out. The Lama said, The two of us, father and son, shall practice the rituals for cultivating clear realization. Dakmema, prepare a ritual feast. While we were making the feast offering, the Lama asked, Son, what certainty have you gained about the oral instructions? Relax your mind and describe what kind of understanding, experience, and realization you have had. Feeling great faith and devotion toward the Lama, I knelt down and joined my palms in prayer. With tears streaming from my eyes, as a prelude to presenting my experience and realization, I first offered this sevenfold service to the Lama in song. I bow to your various emanation bodies, displayed before impure disciples, and to your venerable enjoyment body, revealed to your circle of pure disciples. I bow to your speech, at once audible and empty, which enunciates the eight, the 84,000 true dharmas, with the 60 qualities of Brahma's voice, to each person in his own language. I bow to your mind, changeless reality body, which embraces all objects of knowledge while remaining unobscured while remaining unobscured by conceptual marks in the space of the luminosity reality body i bow down at the feet of great lady dakme birth mother of the buddhas of the three times unchanging selfless dakme illusory body Dwelling in the pure palace of reality's expanse, I prostrate with unfeigned devotion to the spiritual sons you have gathered, the assembly of disciples who practice as taught, together with all of their followers. In your presence I offer my body and whatever material offerings exist. Throughout all realms of the universe, I confess each of my negative deeds. I rejoice in all forms of merit. I pray that you turn the great wheel of Dharma. I pray that the glorious Lama remain until life's round is emptied. I dedicate my accumulated virtue to the benefit of sentient beings. Having first offered the sevenfold service in this way, I continued 
To my sovereign master, I present the meager understanding I have gained through the utterly pure enlightened activity of the Lama, inseparable from Vajradhara, his consort and children, through the power of the blessings of his immeasurable compassion, and through his unbounded kindness, I pray, listen to my words of little eloquence with your mind in the state of unchanging reality. I have understood that due to the fundamental condition of ignorance, the body comprised of flesh and blood fully formed together with, it, with its perceiving consciousness, initially coalesced through the twelve links of dependent origination, formations, and so forth. For those with merit who desire liberation, it is a ferry to a future life of freedoms and endowments. For those with evil karma who amass sinful deeds, it is a guide leading to the lower realms. This is a truly decisive moment, the boundary between journey, journeying up or down, and one that determines the profit or loss leading to lasting good or lasting evil far into the future. Moreover, relying upon your power as Lord and Guide of Beings, I seek release from the ocean of life's round, the source of all suffering so difficult to escape. I first sought refuge in the Lama and three jewels and then trained properly in the discipline. I have understood that in such a context, the source of all goodness and happiness is the Lama. Therefore, the primary and essential point is to follow whatever he commands and to maintain the sacred commitments purely, then intensively contemplating contemplating the difficulty of attaining the freedoms of attaining the freedoms and endowments of a human rebirth death and impermanence the causes and effects of actions and the faults of life's round one is overwhelmed by the desire for liberation from life's round one should then rely on the appropriate vows of individual liberation which are like the foundation. Upon such a basis, one gradually ascends through the religious vehicles, guarding as closely as one's eyes the disciplines they describe. If transgressed, the vows must be restored. But since it is a mistake to practice the lower vehicle, seeking happiness and peace for oneself, through the desire to free all sentient beings from life's round in its entirety, one generates the mind set on enlightenment. With love and compassion, everything one does is dedicated to the benefit of others. This I have understood. This, I have understood, is arousing the attitude of enlightenment according to the great vehicle. One gives up the path of hearers and solitary Buddhas and enters the path of the great vehicle. Then, maintaining a completely pure view as a basis, one enters the path of the unsurpassed Vajra vehicle, 
In order to realize a completely pure view, one needs a fully qualified Lama with the wisdom and skillful means to impart all the pure rites of the four initiations and to transmit their meaning without error. Initiation or empowerment means to have power over the profound view and from that point on one from that and from that point on one meditates in a gradual way first in the common dialectics vehicle one sets out in search of the selflessness of persons employing numerous examples and reasons drawn from both scripture and logic one does not find a self and indeed one comes to realize the selflessness of persons. One must then rest the mind evenly within the state in which the self was not found. When it is brought to rest through various means, conceptual thoughts cease and the mind relaxes in a non-conceptual state. When months and years pass by without noticing and one needs to be informed of the time by others, then one has achieved serenity. One maintains this state by means of mindfulness and without succumbing to mental sinking or torpor, one draws forth the vitality of awareness. Thus one experiences serenity in this way. Appearing while lacking self-nature, luminous while lacking conceptuality, naked, unadulterated, unadulterated, brilliant, vivid. It is also possible to take up the practice of insight, although genuine insight will not manifest for ordinary individuals. I believe only those who have attained the first bodhisattva level will experience it. This being the case, one incorporates outward appearances onto the path by relying upon visualization practice. Other kinds of visionary experiences, deities, and so forth may appear through the practice of serenity, but I believe they are merely signs of meditation and have no essence whatsoever. In brief, experience of excellent serenity together with vitality in practice, as well as anal analysis by means of a profound discriminating wisdom, are indispensable for the attainment of insight. I consider them to be like the lower rungs of a ladder. I have understood that whatever kind of serenity meditation one practices, such as those with signs or those without signs, developing an attitude of love and compassion must precede them all. Whatever one does, it must be embraced by the attitude of enlightenment that aims to benefit others. Next, with a completely pure view, one should train in meditation that lacks a reference point. Finally, one practices <clears throat> within a state free from reference points, sealed by prayers dedicated to the benefit of others. 
This is supreme among all paths. I have understood that, just as the knowledge of food does not help a starving man, but rather he needs, he needs to eat, it is not enough to comprehend the meaning of realizing emptiness. One must meditate. In particular, I have understood that, in order to realize insight, one must strive without distraction to accumulate merit and purify misdeeds in the periods between meditation sessions. In short, I have now understood that the experiences of emptiness, evenness, ineffability, and non-conceptuality gained by yogins through the practice through practice are the view of the stages of the path of the secret mantra Vajra vehicle. Which correspond to the four initiations. In order to actualize my understanding of these things, I will mortify my body, deprive myself of food, and bridle my mind. Having done so, I will shape my perception and withstand even the possibility of death so that whatever happens, I will recognize everything as having the same taste. I have not come before the Lama and Lady whose kindness I cannot repay to present a token material offering. Instead, I present an offering of my practice, as much as I am able to carry out for as long as I live. I shall present my final realization to you in the palace of Akanishta. Lama, Great Vajradhara, Lady Dakme, birth mother of Buddhas, and those assembled, emanations of the victor's sons. For your ears I offer some words of the understanding that arose in my mind. Please forgive all the flaws in my knowledge. Ignorance, distortion, confusion, and remedy, and remedy them according to Dharma. Lord, from the mandala sun of your compassion, Warm rays of blessings have shone, causing the lotus of my mind to blossom. This sweet scent of experience and realization radiating from it cannot repay your kindness. Instead, I offer the ongoing gift of my practice. May my practice be brought to completion and its results serve to benefit beings. If this commoner's words are too bold, I ask your forgiveness. Delighted, the Lama said, I had hoped as much from you, and such hopes have been fulfilled. The lady, also extremely pleased, said, This son of mine has the fortitude and capability to have come this far. After engaging in much Dharma discussion, the Lama and lady returned to their home. Meanwhile, I continued my meditation in retreat as before. About this time, the Lama traveled to Uru in the north for the benefit of beings. One night, as he conducted a ritual feast at the home of Marpa Golek, 
A Dakini deciphered one of the of Naropa's symbolic teachings that he had not understood before, before then, and encouraged him through signs. Thinking he should go to see Naropa, Marpa returned to Drolong. <coughs> one night, while he was re- resting there for a few days, a woman appeared to me in a dream, blue in color. Beautifully adorned in garments of pure silk and bone ornaments, her eyebrows and facial hair brilliant gold. Son, she said, you already have the instructions on the great seal and the six dharmas through which one becomes a Buddha by meditating for a long time, but you do not have the special instructions on ejection and transference through which one becomes a Buddha by meditating for a single instant. Request it. Then she disappeared. Thinking it over, I wondered, although the woman appeared in the guise of a Dakini, is this a prophetic command of the Dakinis or a demonic obstacle? I don't know. Whatever it is, there is nothing that my Lama, in essence, the Buddhas of the three times does not know. From the instructions for attaining Buddhahood down to advice for fixing a broken clay pot. If it is a prophetic command of the Dakinis, I must by all means request transference. Then I pulled down the mud wall of my cell and went to see the Lama. Without maintaining strict retreat, there is a danger that ob- that obstacles may beset you," said the Lama. <clears throat> "Why have you come?" I described the woman who appeared and what she said. I don't know if it is an obstacle or a prophetic command. It, if it is a prophetic command, then I have come to request that you grant the instructions on transference. The Lama reflected for a moment and then said. It is a prophetic command of the Dakinis. When I was returning from India, Panchen Naropa spoke about transference, but I do not remember requesting it. I will look through my text from India and search for it. For a whole day and night, without break, we, master and disciple together, searched for texts on transference. We came across numerous manuals on ejection, but did not find a single word about transference. The Lama said, The signs that appeared while I was in Uru in the north have also encouraged me to request these instructions. There may be other instructions as well that I do not know, so I will go request them. I reminded him of his advanced age, but he would not be dissuaded on any account. He exchanged his disciples' offerings for gold, Then, carrying a vessel filled with gold, he set off for India. Naropa had departed to engage in yogic activity, and Marpa intended to pursue him without regard for his own life. He interpreted numerous omens that foretold that they would meet. Praying fervently, he eventually met Naropa in a dense forest and invited him to the hermitage, of Pulahari. 
where he requested instructions on transference. Panchen Naropa asked, Did you think of this yourself or did you receive a prophetic command? I neither thought of it myself or, nor received a prophetic command. I have a, dis I have a disciple named Topo Topoga, Tupa Topaga who received the prophetic command of a Dakini and he came to request it from me. How marvelous! In the gloomy land of Tibet lives a man like the sun rising over the snows. Raising his hands in prayer to the crown of his head, Naropa continued, In the gloomy darkness of the north lives the one called Topaga. Like the sun rising over the snows, to that man I bow down. He closed his eyes and bowed his head three times. All the mountains trees and plants in India then bowed toward Tibet. Even now the mountains and trees of Pulahari bend in the direction of Tibet. Naropa then imparted all the instructions of the Dakini oral transmission and afterward he interpreted certain omens. Based upon the way Marpa prostrated, he received the prophecy that stated, Although your family lineage will be short, your Dharma lineage of enlightened activity will extend longer than the stretch of a river. Marpa then returned to Tibet. Later, Marpa's son, Dharma Dode, passed away, just as foretold by the prophecy of his prostration style. During the offering ceremony commemorating the anniversary of his son's death, the senior disciples seated in line among all the resident students said to the Lama, Precious Lama, your son, who was like the Buddhas of the three times, can no longer work for the merit of us sentient beings, and the Lama is himself advanced in age. Therefore, please give us a prophetic command describing how the precious Kagyu teachings should be spread, what sort of followers we disciples will have, and what kinds of enlightened activity we will pursue. The Lama replied, I, a descendant in the line of Naro Panchen, have gained mastery over omens and dreams. I also have Panchen Naro's excellent prophetic command regarding the Kagyu teachings. You, my foremost disciple, go await your dreams. Later, the senior disciples took note of their dreams and reported them. Everyone had dreams and some dreams were good, but none of the dreams revealed a prophecy. I had a dream of four great pillars, which I described to the Lama in this way. In accordance with Lord Vajradhara's command, to the Lama I set forth my dream from last night, and the way it appeared before me. Please lend an ear and listen to me. Here in the world's broad and vast northern quarter, I dreamt that there stood a grand mountain of snows. I dreamt that its glacial summit touched the sky. I dreamt that the sun and moon coursed round its peak. I dreamt that their light filled all space. I dreamt that its base covered the whole of the earth. I dreamt that rivers ran down in the four directions. I dreamt that their waters satisfied all beings. I dreamt that the rivers drained into the sea. I dreamt that all manner of flowers bloomed forth. In, in general, such was the dream that I dreamt. I recount the dream to my Lama, the three times Buddhas. 
in particular, from this towering grand snowy mountain, I dreamt to the east a great pillar was raised. I dreamt high on the pillar a great lion stood regal. I dreamt the lion's turquoise mane spread open wide. I dreamt the claws of his four paws spread out on the glacier. I dreamt that his eyes gazed toward the heavens. I dreamt that the lion leaped about on the snow. I recount the dream to my lama, the three times Buddhas. I dreamt to the south a great pillar was raised. I dreamt high on the pillar a tigress riled herself up. I dreamt that the tigress's striped fur stood on end. I dreamt that she smiled three times. I dreamt the claws of her four paws spread out through the forest. I dreamt that her eyes gazed toward the heavens. I dreamt that the tigress leaped about through the forest. I dreamt that the forest of pine groves were tangled. I, I recount the dream to my lama, the three times Buddhas. I dreamt to the west a great pillar was raised. I dreamt high on the pillar a large Garuda hovered. I dreamt the Garuda's plume fanned open wide. I dreamt the Garuda's horns were raised to the sky. I dreamt that its eyes gazed toward the heavens. I dreamt the Garuda flew off into space. I recount the dream to my Lama, the three times Buddhas. I dreamt to the north a great pillar was raised. I dreamt high on the pillar a vulture hovered. I dreamt the vulture's plume fanned open wide. I dreamt the vulture's airy was perched on a crag. I dreamt that unto the vulture a soul chick was born. I dreamt that the sky was filled with small birds. I dreamt that its eyes gazed toward the heavens. I dreamt that the vulture flew off into space. I recount my dream to the Lama, the three times Buddhas. Are the omens of a dream such as this, I wonder, signs of most excellent virtue? Such a pleasing experience has me filled with delight. Please tell me its meaning, I pray. Greatly pleased, the Lama said, an excellent dream. To his wife he added, Dakmema, prepare a, a ritual feast. The lady gathered the necessary materials. The foremost disciples assembled, and then they performed a magnificent ritual feast. From his seat in the assembly row, the Lama remarked, How amazing that Mila Dorje Gyaltsen has had such a dream. The senior disciples said, Please unravel the dream's meaning and prophesy what it foretells. Then the great translator, a supreme individual, sang this song, which interpreted the dream for the disciples. Lord, protector of beings, the three times Buddhas, Panchinaro, I bow at your feet, all disciples Filling the seats here before me, listen as I, your old father, will tell you. This wondrous prediction of what is to come, made clear from the signs of the dream. 
The surface of the earth in the world's northern quarter is the Buddha's teaching spreading here in Tibet. The snow mountain standing upon it is your old father Marpa Lhotsawa and the complete Kagyu teachings. The glacial summit touching the sky is the incomparable view. The sun and moon coursing round its peak are luminosity and wisdom, compassion and meditation. The light filling all of space is compassion dispelling the darkness of ignorance. The base of the mountain covering the earth is enlightened activity pervading the world. The rivers running down in the four directions are the ripening and liberating instructions of the four initiations. Satisfying all beings with their water is the ripening and liberation of disciples. The rivers draining into the sea is the meeting of mother and son luminosities. All manner of flowers blooming forth is the experience of unblemished fruition. In general, the dream is not, is not inauspicious. What an excellent dream it is. O oh, resident disciples, my sons gathered here, in particular from this grand snowy mountain, the great pillar raised to the east is Serton Wange of Dole. The great lion standing regal high in the, on the pillar means his character is like that of a lion. The lion's turquoise mane spread open wide is his reception of oral transmission instructions. The claws of his four paws spread out on the glacier are his, are his being endowed with the four immeasurables. His eyes gazing toward the heavens are his waving goodbye to life's round. The lions leaping about on the snows is his journey into liberation sanctum. The dream of the east is not inauspicious. What an excellent dream it is. O oh, resident disciples, my sons gathered here. The great pillar raised to the south is Ngokton Chodor of Zung. The tigress riled up high on the pillar means his character is like that of a tiger. The tigress's striped fur standing on end is his reception of the oral transmission instructions. The three smiles that she smiled are his recognition of the three bodies within himself. The claws of her four paws stretched out throughout the forest are his achievement of the four enlightened activities. Her eyes gazing toward the heavens are his waving goodbye to life's round. The tigress's leaping about through the forest is his journey into liberation's sanctum. The entangled forest of pine groves is his lineage maintained by sons and grandsons. The dream of the south is not inauspicious. What an excellent dream it is. All you resident disciples, my sons, gathered here. The great pillar raised to the west is Meton Sompo of Sangron. The large Garuda hovering high on the pillar means his character is like that of Garuda. The Garuda's plume fanned open wide is his reception of the oral transmission instru instructions. The Garuda's horns raised to the sky are his cutting through deviations in view and meditation. 
Its eyes gazing toward the heavens are his waving goodbye to life's round. The Garuda's flying off through space is his journey into liberation's sanctum. The dream of the West is not inauspicious. What an excellent dream it is. All you resident disciples, my sons, gathered here. The great pillar raised to the north is Milarepa of Gungtang. The vulture hovering high on the pillar means his character is like that of a vulture. The vulture's plume fanned open wide is his reception of the oral transmission instructions. The vulture's airy perched high on a crag means his life force will be firmer than rock. The soul chick born unto the vulture is his one unrivaled son who will appear. The small bird's Filling the sky is the spread of the Kagyu teachings. Its eyes gazing toward the heavens are his waving goodbye to life's round. The vultures flying off through space is his journey into liberation's sanctum. The dream of the north is not inauspicious. What an excellent dream it is. Such have I told you to you all gathered here. As for your old father, my work is completed. Now, you disciples, your hour has come. If you pay attention to the words of this old man now, the practice lineage teachings will spread in the future. When he had finished, all those assembled were filled with immeasurable joy. Then, for his senior disciples, the Lama opened the treasure chest of Dharma and oral instructions. By day he gave teachings, and by night he set us in meditation. Everyone developed excellent meditative experience. One evening during this period, while imparting the profound initiation of Nair, of Nair Atmia, the Lama contemplated which Dharma transmission lineage and activity would be most suitable for each of his foremost disciples so that he might give them the appropriate instructions. At dawn, while resting in a state of luminosity, he observed his foremost disciples. He saw that Ngokton Chodor of Jung was studying how to explain several commentaries of the Hevadra Tantra. Surtan Wange of Dol was meditating on ejection. Meton Sompo of Sangron was meditating on luminosity. And I was meditating on yogic heat. Thus he knew which Dharma transmission lineage and activity was suitable for each one of us. To Lama Ungokpa he gave the heart instructions on the method of explaining the tantras from the perspective of the six parameters and the four modes, strung together like pearls, as well as Naropa's six ornaments, his ruby rosary, a pair of ritual ladles for making burnt offerings, and an Indian commentarial text. Then he said, Benefit beings by explaining the Dharma. To Surton Wange of Do, he gave teachings on ejection, likened to a bird flying th 
through an open skylight, as well as Naropa's hair, fingernails, nectar pills, and a ritual crown of the five Buddha families. Then he said, train in the practice of ejection. To Meton Sompo of Sangron, he gave instructions on luminosity, likened to a burning lamp that dispels darkness, as well as Naropa's Vajra, bell, hand drum, and skull cup lined with mother of pearl. Then he said, sever your ties during the intermediate state. To me, he gave the exceptional instructions on yogic heat, likened to fire burning a pile of kindling together with Maitripa's hat and Naropa's garments. Then he said, wander among rocky mountain ranges and the snows and gain experience in the view and in meditation. All the assembled resident disciples then performed a ritual feast, and from the head of the row, Marpa said, I have given you oral instructions <sighs> in, a, in, accordance, in accordance with the omens I have observed. Similarly, my disciple lineages will each maintain their own oral instructions as the principal means for bringing about great benefit and carrying out vast enlightened activity. My son Dharma Dode is no longer present. I have entrusted to you my lineage of oral instructions and blessings that stems from our Kagyu forefathers. Therefore, apply yourselves and beings will further benefit. The senior disciples then departed, each to his own religious seat. To me, the Lama said, As for you, stay with me a few years. I have special initiations and oral instructions yet to impart. You will need to consolidate your experience and realization in the presence of the Lama. Therefore, remain in strict retreat. I withdrew to Zangpuk, a cave prophesied by Naropa. The Lama and Lady both treated me with great affection, sending a share of food from each of the ritual feast offerings they performed. Thus Milarepa spoke. This was the fourth of the supreme deeds, the deed in which the sprouts of experience and realization emerged through meditating on the presence of his Lama.
Thank you for listening, and uh, next time, uh, next chapter, next episode. Until then, 